0: Praise
1: Thee, Lord, for Thy great plan, that we
2: thy place may be. Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll free at 888 study. That's 8885433788. Now let's join today's program. When we consider what are the main qualifications to be an effective and useful minister of the gospel? We may list things like being an eloquent speaker or having a charismatic personality or being one empowered with the miraculous gifts that can perform mighty works of power in the name of Jesus. But the New Testament itself, when presenting to us what is the genuine ministry of the New Testament, doesn't uplift any of these things. Rather, what we see in the genuine ministry of the apostles was the growth and maturity in the divine life. Paul, the apostle, himself was such a minister, not relying on either natural ability or supernatural gifts. He was one who spent years experiencing, enjoying, and being constituted inwardly with the life-giving Spirit, the very Christ in resurrection. Francis Ball has joined us as we begin an important section in the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, this matter of the New Testament ministry. Francis, I'm glad you're here with us today.
1: Well, I'm very glad to be here. This is quite arresting, what you've just said about the producing of a ministry That's really in contrast with what's generally thought to the way to be a proper minister.
2: It's like we have to almost throw uh, the book out the window that we've been reading all these years because it is. it turns out it really hasn't been the Bible, has it? (laughs) I'm afraid
1: that's the truth.
2: We value and uh, treasure and uh, exalt uh, people with these kinds of qualifications. We all wish we had them so that you know we could uh, be important so-called ministers. But really, the pattern that we're going to see unfolded—not just today, but in the coming uh, several programs dealing with the ministry, number one, and then the ministers of the New Testament, mm-hmm. of the New Covenant—it unveils something quite different than our natural thought and what has become a, a traditional uh, way of. Uh, equipping and selecting and training and, uh, you know, setting up uh, so-called ministry. So we're here to have our eyes opened and enlightened very much uh, in these days, aren't we, Francis?
1: I believe so. I'm anxious that we get into these messages in a very thorough way and it would be a benefit to so many people that are really desirous to serve the Lord in a proper way.
2: Yeah. The section in Second Corinthians begins at verse 12. And let me just read a couple of these initial verses. We're going to stay uh, 12 through 14 today. The portion begins this way. Furthermore, this is Paul now, speaking to the church in Corinth. When I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and a door was opened to me in the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, for I did not find Titus my brother. But taking leave of them, I went forth into Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in the Christ and manifests the savor of the knowledge of him through us in every place. Francis, let's just say this much about the first couple of verses we read. Here's Paul planning to go into this city in Greece called Troas to preach the gospel, and the Lord opens the door of the city. I mean, his outward environment was inviting him to go in and do just what he Mm -hmm. had planned, but he was interrupted, wasn't he?
1: Yes, that is a marvelous thing, I think, uh, would be not so easy for a person to see, especially someone who was zealous for the gospel. The door was opened not by him, but by the Lord, and yet he didn't find any rest in his spirit at not finding Titus there. So it really shows there's something deeper than just getting an open door.
2: Well, we'll come back to this point in the third section today. But uh, this is the verse that Paul uses to introduce this section on the New Testament ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Let's join Witness Lee, and we'll hear this unfolded in a marvelous way today.
0: After the introduction, Paul gets on to the ministry, which is... The major subject of this book. In 1940, Brother Nee were giving messages from this book. He stressed that the first book deals with the matter of gift. Not the initial gift, not the developed gift, but the outward and the miraculous gifts. He used the case of Balaam's donkey speaking human language. Just like this, all of sudden, he spoke human language. That was a typical gift. So he said, you could get a, a gift just like this. Then he said, for you to have a ministry, it needs 20 years. And I thought, my... 20 years, <laughs> to wait for 20 years, he used the word, a kind of expression in Chinese. And this word, or this expression, equals to uh, Andrew Murray's expression. You know, in Andrew Murray's writing, in the book, The Spirit of Christ, Andrew Murray used a word, Woven. W-O-V-E-N. Christ has to be woven into our being. I feel today we have a better word than woven. That is constituted. The ministry is a constitution. This means whatever Christ is. Whatever Christ has then accomplished. Whatever Christ has attained. Whatever Christ has obtained. All these is wrapped up in the life-giving spirit. The life-giving spirit is the very embodiment of Christ in these four items. So, whosoever would be so constituted, with these, all-inclusive Christ. This one will be the minister of Christ. And his work and his service is the New Testament ministry, which is God's ministry in the New Testament.
2: Francis, we have a very clear contrast here of two ways to have a so-called ministry. One, this instantaneous, miraculous way, and the example he used was Balaam's donkey that the Lord equipped in just the, what, the twinkling of an eye with yeah, his right. ability to speak human language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but despite the fact there was a lot of gift there, there really was not a ministry there, was there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was certainly a gift, apparently. It's a gift that just suddenly someone may have without any spirituality.
2: Contrast that with this other approach, this matter of a constitution taking place over time. What what do we mean by this term constitution?
1: Well, Chris, I believe we both are quite clear that to minister Christ, it means that we have to have the constitution of life, the divine life which was born into our spirit at the time we were regenerated, is just the beginning of a life that needs to be built up so that we become another person. We become a Christ person. We become a person that's filled up with the divine life, and not only the divine life with all its attributes, but even the the human life with all its virtues gets uplifted by this life, so that there is a ministry produced by the growth in this life, by the development in this life, and by the reconstituting of the person himself in the way of life.
2: Well, he pointed out, he mentioned that Watchman Nee had uh, grabbed this word that uh, marvelous writer of uh, the past century, Andrew Murray. I believe he was South African, but a really marvelous writer and had a wonderful book that uh, we have quoted many times in this program over the years. We've been doing this uh, book called The Spirit of Christ. And Mm -hmm. in that book, Murray uses this term woven Yeah, and that all that Christ is, all that he has, all that he obtained needs to be woven into the fiber of our being. And now, uh, Witness Lee at this time is somewhat improving, though we don't reject this term. It's not a bad term, but uh, and maybe an improvement is this matter of being reconstituted, as you said. It's, it's really an organic matter, isn't it?
1: Yes, it really is. It is so organic that it's not a sudden thing. It's something that happens over time by the growth of life. By growing in life, we mean the increase of Christ in all that he is. Christ Himself is now in the life-giving Spirit, and He is even the life-giving Spirit. And that includes all that He has done, all that He's attained, all that He's obtained. And this is all included in the life-giving Spirit in our spirit. So as we grow by this Spirit of life, we become equipped to be able to minister the same life to others.
2: Wow. Well, as we promised our listeners, it would be a radically different approach to what we normally associate with uh, the qualifications to have a kind of ministry. What we're seeing today, it's life, but not just possessing the divine life. It is the growth and development of this divine life and the constitution of our inner being with this spiritual equipment that really produces New Testament ministers.
1: That's right.
2: Well, let's go back now to this point we brought up at the uh, earlier part of the program. Paul, uh, zealous, burdened for the gospel, burdened for this city called Troas, and the door opened for him, but this one missing component, and this turned out to be what he was most depending upon, the rest in his spirit, and how this became the determining factor on what he did. This is a marvelous portion and a wonderful lesson for us just ahead.
0: The new husband has only one ministry. Paul has a part of this ministry. Peter has a part. And all the apostles, at a third time, they all had a part of this ministry. The ministry of the new covenant. This has to be a constitution. The process God with all what he is constituted into the very favor, the very being of his chosen and redeemed people. I must let you know, dear saints, my burden is just to carry out this ministry and to help so many of you to have a part in this ministry. This is the ministry that Paul, in his second book, talks about. It is not only a matter of life. It is a constitution in life. It takes time to grow up. It takes time to get mature. You cannot grow with a full constitution of the trying God within couple years. Life needs time to grow. The ministry cannot be formed in a short time. Now, let us see the introduction to the ministry. Paul introduced the ministry this way. He said, when I came to church, For the gospel of Christ, the door was opened in the Lord. Yet, I had no relief in my spirit when I did not find Titus. (laughs) Even with such a wonderful door for the gospel opened by the Lord, why I didn't have the relief? Because I didn't find Titus. And my concern there was not for the preaching of the gospel. My concern was for Finding <laughs> titles. What was the purpose to find a title? The purpose is to know your situation. How you reacted to my first letter. I'd like to know that. I was concerned for that. Here is a big lesson for us all to learn. When you have something done by the Lord overly, inwardly in your spirit, He wouldn't give you relief which would you follow? Follow the out or follow the inside. If you would uh, exercise your spirit, to you take care of the spirit, you follow the inside and you disobey the outside. You are really spiritual.
2: Francis, I'm sure that uh, for many readers of the Bible that happen to be listeners to this program, they're, they're going to come back to their own Bible and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 again and see if this is really the case, that, that the Lord himself opened the door mm-hmm. for the gospel and the Apostle Paul to go in and announce the gospel, and he chose to disobey, in a sense, this outward leading and follow something far more intrinsic and inward.
1: I think this is a marvelous thing. Chris, because this shows the apostle was more concerned about the church than he was about the gospel. It doesn't mean that he wasn't zealous for the gospel. Certainly, all of his books show that he was. But here is a man having an open door, which any gospel preacher would really rejoice over, and getting there and not finding inwardly that he has the peace and the rest. In his spirit, there's no rest, because he didn't come there just for the gospel. He came there partly to be with Titus to find out what the Corinthians said and how they reacted to his first letter. The fact that the gospel door was open, there was just something of the Lord. But we see a man here that's not just zealous for the gospel, but he is very burdened for the building up of the church, for the uh, helping all these saints to go on in the Lord and to enjoy the further depths of the truth that have been revealed to Paul.
2: This is such a key point. I really encourage all of our listeners to be with us on Monday because this section continues with this matter of Mm. Paul telling the Corinthian believers that they had become living letters of Christ that had been inscribed in his heart. Yeah, And so they were there, and as you said, after his strong rebuke and dealing with them in the first letter, he was just real anxious to find out if they had received his word in love, if they had really gone before the Lord, and that the fellowship was going to be sweet and their fellowship restored once he got there. And without that, as you said, there was no peace within him, no burden, no desire to even take this open door outwardly. Uh, so it shows that he was a man who was, as you said, very much Christ-centered, but Christ-in-the-Church-centered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This matter is very, very crucial for all of us as believers, but particularly for those who take any responsibility for the development or for the growth of life in others that he is here now very much in the inward parts of Christ. That is, he is feeling what Christ felt. He is thinking what Christ thinks. He's a man who is living in the person of Christ, knowing Christ inwardly and knowing him thoroughly so that he was able to have the same kind of response that Christ himself would have had.
2: Francis, let's come now to this uh, verse 14. We read it at the beginning of the program. Marvelous point to conclude today's program on as well. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in the Christ and manifests the savor of the knowledge of him through us in every place. And as we will see, this is a metaphor and a marvelous metaphor for all of us to see once we uh, really discover it, and we will in this portion just ahead.
0: Now this one verse, 14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in the Christ. Paul likened himself a captive. He was fighting against Christ. He was fighting against God's economy. He was fighting against the churches. He was fighting. But on the way to Damascus, he was defeated. He was subdued. And there he got captured. And he became a captive. And this captive was put into a triumphal procession. And in that procession, the first three, you know, were home. Peter, John, James. A lot of captives there. A train of defeated foes. A train of captives. God lead us. Who are us? Captives. God lead us captives. In a triumph, a triumphal procession. In ancient times, when the Roman general won the victory, he captured all the captives and brought them back to the capital. Then there was a procession celebrating the recovery with all the captives. And the general was taking the lead in the front of the procession. All the captives. We're following him for his celebration. Paul used this metaphor to illustrate his ministry. Listen, the proper ministry of the New Testament is a triumphal procession, celebrating Christ's victory. What I have been doing is very limited, yet I have the same kind of sensation within me. This is a transfer possession, and I am a captive. Amen. What is a captive? A captive is a witness that I was an enemy, but I was defeated, and I was subdued, I was captured, and today I was a submissive captive. This is our ministry. The New Testament ministry is a procession, a celebrating process.
2: I appreciate how he pointed out the richness of this metaphor, this picture. Mm. Probably most of us, uh, at one time or another, maybe when we were kids, saw one of the great movies where the Roman general has been out and conquered, you know, the foes, and they're all chained together, and he marches them back through Rome to the delight of the people, and quite a celebration. This is the metaphor, isn't it, Francis, that Paul is. is using here?
1: Oh, it really is a terrific metaphor, because we are having a procession now, a triumphal procession celebrating Christ's victory. Wow. We were all those that got defeated by Christ. We were his foe, but he defeated us, he conquered us, he gained us, and now we're in his procession as those who are submissive to him. Right. I'd like to consider myself a submissive captive Right. in this procession.
2: <laughs> I have the same word that struck me in that portion. We're now willing, submissive yeah, captives. Right. We don't need the chains, right, Francis? We're here. Uh, In this celebration, not of our victory, we're celebrating our defeat and His victory. We're so glad that He defeated us. We pray He will defeat so many more.
1: That's right. Wherever this procession is going, there is the spreading of the aroma. The metaphor really fits here because we who are conquered, wherever we go now, speaking for Christ, testifying for Christ, living Christ, there is an aroma that really declares the victory that Christ has won. And I have just praised the Lord for all those who are in this kind of procession. You know, some are really saved and they go on, but there's a certain amount of resistance and a certain amount of defeat that they're still suffering. But if they would just be defeated by Christ and let him conquer them, <laughs> and they would join this procession, then we can spread this good news, this sweet aroma, this incense, which uh, is a... The smelling of this is uh, really a a sign of life to those that were conquered. That's right. And to those who would not be submissive, it's a signal of death. Because when the general reaches his capital city, then those who have not submitted to him will be put to death. Those who have submitted to him will be an aroma unto life. Right. It just means that we're going into a victorious life. So this is our portion, Chris. If we really submit to him willingly and even with all that we have ceasing to live an independent life, now living just the life of Christ, that will be a sweet aroma wherever we go.
2: I like Paul's term. He calls it a sweet savor of Christ. Mm. It's like a a savory dish to God. Uh, God defeats us when Christ conquers us. This aroma is pleasant to God, and it really has an effect on those around us, as you said. You know, a lot of people complain about being defeated Christians. Well, in a sense, we all need to be defeated Christians <laughs> as long as we've been defeated by Christ. Yeah, right. Francis, good fellowship today, a marvelous portion. Glad you were here and uh, hope you're able to join us again very soon.
1: I hope so, too. I It's really my pleasure.
2: Francis, thanks
1: for being with us again.
2: And for Francis Ball, and Chris Weil. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can email us,
1: radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.